0: and welcome to Dragon Bites, the paediatric podcast aimed at paediatric trainees or anyone interested in child health. My name is Dr Stacey Harris and I'm one of the founders of Dragon Bites. Today we have one of our career pods. These are podcasts aimed at helping trainees apply and interview for grid specialties. This week it's community grid training And I had the pleasure of joining Dr. Lizzie Nickerson who is a community paediatric consultant and Dr. Emily Shand who has recently completed the grid application process and is about to start community grid training in September and Shuan Lloyd who is um, also a paediatric trainee who has also recently completed grid uh, application process and is about to start um, the grid training programme in September as well. Hi, everybody. I wanted to start off by getting to know you a little bit more. Um, I wondered if Shuan could start us off by um, talking about her medical career to date.
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. So, hi, Stacey. Thank you for having us on the show. Um, I am currently an ST5 paediatric trainee. Um, so, I started off my medical career, I guess, Going to university in Edinburgh, uh, and while I was up there, um, really developed an interest in paediatrics and also in neurology. Um, integrated up there in neuroscience, uh, and then um, graduated from medical school and came back down to Wales, where I was from, to work as a foundation doctor. Um, at that point, I knew I was going to do paediatrics, so I applied for my first job to be in paediatrics and was very lucky be able to start paediatrics in UHW uh, in the University Hospital of Wales with the amazing team there uh, and really enjoyed that and um, then I finished my foundation training in uh, in and around Cardiff and Newport and then applied straight away to go into uh, run through paediatric specialty training which I then again started in the Wales Deanery um, five years ago now.
0: Sure, and I know there's loads of things I didn't know about you then that's exciting. Um, is it? That's good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What made you choose paediatrics? I've always wanted to do paediatrics, um, even since before medical school, really. I um, grew up with a brother who um, had got Down syndrome and also uh, had a stroke when he was about 11 years old. So I was about 10, uh, and he was in hospital for quite a long time then. So I think I just had quite a lot of exposure to medical professionals and paediatricians when I was a young girl, and also other members of the multidisciplinary team that helped him. Um, and yeah, it was all just very inspiring. And I think children's wards are just lovely and bright and beautiful. And the emphasis is really on making children, um, you know, making the experience as uh, pain free as possible. And it's all, everyone's very friendly. Um, and it's a lovely environment to work in. So I always knew, even before going to medical school, that I wanted to do in pediatrics.
0: Well, that's a lovely story, Um
1: Emily?
2: Yes,
0: hello. <laughs> Hi. Um, <laughs> A little about about
2: your medical career so far. Yeah, uh, so I went to Cardiff University to study medicine. Um, I did a BSc in psychological medicine halfway through um, and I qualified um, in 2008. I uh, did my F1 and F2 jobs in South Wales um, and I actually did paediatrics um, in both of those years um, and really enjoyed them. But I hadn't quite made up my mind about what I wanted to do for um, my future training, although I did really enjoy peds. I kind of was thinking about GP or um, psychiatry. Actually, I quite liked CAMs. Um, so my husband and I went off to New Zealand for a year and um, I did general sort of house officer level jobs um, in a small district general hospital in New Zealand, uh, which was the most fantastic year Um So then during that time, I applied for paediatrics, started um, in Wales, um, paediatric training in 2011. Um, And we started in um, North Wales. So I did two years in North Wales um, before coming back down to South Wales. I've had quite a few maternity leaves during my time. Um, So I've worked less than full time since 2013. And I feel like I'm a bit of a forever trainee. There are a few of us around. Yeah, I'm ST5 now, Um, just finishing ST5 and um, hopefully starting in September for Community Grid.
0: Awesome. Um, So um, what made you choose pediatrics?
2: Um, So I loved my fourth year placement. Um, I worked in Merthyr. Um met some really inspiring registrars there and I think I just felt like I'd found my place. I found um, something that I just really enjoyed. And then I must say I was somebody who thought hard about not doing paediatrics rather than the other way around. So um, I wasn't quite sure that I wanted to do such a long training programme, um, knowing that um, acute paediatricians often have quite an intense on-call rota. I wasn't really sure that I I wanted to do that when I was sort of doing my F1 and F2 jobs, which is why I kind of took the time to think about it whilst we were away. Um, but ultimately, I followed my heart, and paediatrics is is what I love, and um, I wouldn't be without it. It's um it's it's definitely always uh, what I enjoyed doing. So um, I am someone who's had a few blips. Um, in my training where I've I've thought about not carrying on to be a consultant. Um, but I've never thought about not doing pediatrics since I've been on the run-through programme. Um, it's always been P's, it's just whether I wanted to get through to the end to be a consultant. But I pushed through and um, I feel like I'm I'm over the hump. The end is in sight even if it is five years away.
0: Yeah, I'm all for following your um your heart, Emily. That was nice to hear. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So Lizzie.
3: It's so interesting hearing about everybody's Hi, Lizzie.
0: I know, isn't it? It's absolutely (laughs) lovely. Um, Yeah, and we've known each other for quite a long time, all of us. And yeah, there's just some things you just never, never ask someone. Um, (laughs) So can you tell us a little about your career to date, Lizzie?
3: Yes. um, So I uh, moved to Cardiff to uh, university Um, and then have been stuck in Wales ever since but I'm very glad that I am because it's a great place to be. Um, So I just had a very normal sort of university, um, didn't do anything as glamorous as Sean and Emily, um, didn't intercalate. Um, Then did my foundation uh, year one up in North Wales um, and had a great time, had a little blip about do I want to do paediatrics or do I want to do GP because most of my friends were going to do GP and um, a bit like what Emily said I thought oh my goodness what am I putting myself through you know so many years compared to my friends who will be done and dusted within the three years Um, but I'm very glad that I did um, as Emily said really go with my heart and uh, and stick with paediatrics because I have loved it Um, So then I applied for paediatrics did um, a lot of my um, early training in Cardiff which was brilliant Um, and then applied for um, community grid. Um, I got I decided to apply for community grid um, really because my ST1 post was in community. I was quite lucky to have that early exposure to it and it sort of Um, ignited something within me Um, and then I pursued that um, and sort of got extra experience here and there and the more experience and exposure I got to community I realised that it was the thing that sort of um, to sound a bit cheesy made my heart sing (laughs) and um, so yeah so then I applied for grid. I was in the first batch of trainees to apply for community grid because it's a relatively new um, grid programme. Um, did that grid training in South East Wales and then became a community um, paediatric consultant in September of last year in Neville Hall in Abergavenny, which is brilliant.
0: So are you enjoying your job so far?
3: It's brilliant. It's a, it's everything that I wanted it to be really. and um, And I think as you get further through your training, you realise that you have to choose something that you can see yourself doing for the rest of your life because I've I've always I've enjoyed every part of paediatrics that I've done I've enjoyed the subspecialties I've enjoyed neonates and I've enjoyed general paediatrics so it wasn't an easy decision in that way for me um but uh it was just the one that made that sort of clicked and made the most sense um and what I could see my brain still being interested in in 10 20 years time because um, as you know Stacy because I never stop harping on about it it's such an evolving specialty and um, I find it so fascinating all the time it's it's constantly challenging
0: uh, so why did you choose pediatrics
3: right I I always knew I wanted to work with children and um, I come from a family of teachers so I'm the first even vaguely medical person in my family um, and But I knew I didn't want to stay in school for the rest of my life. (laughs) So uh, then somebody suggested um, medicine and I thought, oh, how can I combine medicine with wanting to work with children? And obviously it's a no brainer to do paediatrics. But then uh, I think um, I've, you know, I've enjoyed lots of different things. So through medical school, when you do your different placements, I thought, oh, maybe I'd do this, maybe I'll do that. But um, I always came back to paediatrics in the end.
0: Yeah paediatrics is amazing I can't imagine doing anything else either so you um, all have um, talked about why you wanted to do community was there anything that you haven't said that you wanted to sort of add at this point um, about why a trainee should do why a trainee should choose to do community?
3: Um, Well I I think that um, you know we have to talk about the work-life balance because it's it's brilliant, essentially. Um, I, I myself get frustrated when people think that um, we only choose community because of the work life balance. um, Because, you know, that that isn't the reason um, for most people. But it has to be talked about. And it is something that, you know, is important for a lot of people. So a lot of my friends chose GP because they thought it had a good work life balance. But I think if you asked a lot of them now, you know, many years on into their career, they might feel a little differently because actually there's such a huge um, time um, pressure, really, on GPs, you know, and where I think I'm very lucky in my consultant job that I can, you know, pretty much always clock off at five o'clock. So it is genuinely a nine to five job as long as you are organised with your time, Um whereas and obviously i don't have any nights or um weekends which is brilliant and i'm still very much in the honeymoon period of enjoying that having just become a consultant and um, you know f- for gp for example it isn't a genuine 9 to 5 job by any means they they work much longer hours on weekdays and often have to do weekends as well so i think that is a that's definitely something to consider um and especially for people you know like myself who've who've got a young family it does make work more enjoyable because you can enjoy your work-life balance. But I think there's also so much, so many reasons to choose it. If you're you're the kind of person who likes to get involved in, um, I guess, the bigger picture, um, by which I mean public health, so um, rather than just uh, having an effect on that one patient in front of you, having an effect on a whole population – Um, is is phenomenal really and obviously you have loads of opportunities to get involved in that through doing community Um, there's a lot of management potential as well so if you're the kind of trainee that's enjoyed management and leadership through your trainee years um, there's a lot of potential for promotion and also because the job can be a little more flexible and you can adapt it because you haven't got the acute on calls to fit in Um, I've I found generally um, in my limited experience that there's more potential for that Um, I think the other thing is if you're the kind of person who likes um, things that are grey so not black and white then communities for you so I I love that sort of um, being presented with uncertainty and then having to draw together lots of different opinions lots of different results um, and with an evidence base you know trying to get through um the to the root cause of the issues really and find out what is actually causing this child's presentation um that's that's sort of what um, what clicks for me and I think you have to have a particular kind of mindset to enjoy that many people hate that and they they would much rather have a patient present to them who has a particular list of symptoms and then you do a certain um set of investigations and get results, and then know what the management strategy is going to be, whereas that's not if if you like that kind of patient community is probably not for you. I think, as Lizzie
2: said, working together as a um, as a team um, is very much um, a part of community pediatrics, and um, you use your other team members to help you clarify things in some way. so um, as Lizzie said, you you get presented a grey complex patient um and you've got to kind of figure things out but you're not doing that by yourself you're doing that with with a, a team of of different people different um agencies and um and sort of having to communicate with them all I think that's what I really enjoy about um community particularly is um that communication across the, the different um, agencies and um, amongst your, your team members, really.
3: There's a lot of thinking outside the box as well. And um, it's, a, it's a, it often remi- makes me think of sort of, you know, being a bit like a, a lawyer in court, really, because you're bringing together lots of different evidence, as, as Emily said, from different um, agencies, from different people um, and trying to make sense of it all. And, uh, and that's quite rewarding, really.
0: Uh, Shu-Anne, what was it that um,
1: drew you to community paediatrics? Well, it was a bit of a difficult decision, really. So I, um, it was a very last-minute decision as well, um, the night before the a job needed to be accepted uh, kind of decision. Uh, so I, all along, knew. I know, oh, I've always known the kind of patients that I enjoy working with. Um, so I've always had an interest in any child with um, sort of complex, uh, chronic, long-term conditions. Um, children where you have to think very holistically about um, managing their participation and quality of life and it's not just about you know curing a child of a, of a particular disease and that's the end of your relationship with them I've always enjoyed sort of seeing children um, throughout their lives and helping them with lots of different elements of, of their lives and thinking about education and the social context and thinking about family uh, and continuity of care um, and so and I've always enjoyed so the jobs I've done I've very much enjoyed working uh, with this, Types of patients that we've seen in sort of um, paediatric neurology, neurodisability, palliative care, uh, children where they've got um, lots of different things going on, lots of different teams involved, and then being part of that team and coordinating the care. Um, so uh, along with that, I'd always uh, sort of flitted back and forth between thinking um, I was going to apply for either paediatric neurology or paediatric neurodisability or paediatric uh, community child health. Um, And um, it was quite a difficult decision because I've really enjoyed all of those elements. And I think that um, I would enjoy working in any one of those uh, career paths. Um, And in the end, uh, it very much came down to, uh, so I applied then for both, uh, I applied for community child health and uh, neurodisability grid training um, and thinking I'd be very, very happy accepting either of those jobs. Um, Didn't really think about what I would do if I got offered both of them um, and then and um, was very lucky that I uh, had the choice then at the end and um, it was lovely I spoke to lots of different people who work in in the different areas for their advice and, and really at the end it came down to thinking about what sort of consultant job I could see myself doing and um, you know in the future and what my priorities were and, and um, I looked through the curriculums to see the differences between them and, and really I sort of felt that community in terms of where I want to end up working uh, as a paediatrician in South Wales and the sort of work I'd like to be doing. I felt that community offered a lot more opportunities and more flexibility in terms of getting the training that uh, to end up where I want to end up, which is sort of working um, in the community and seeing a wide variety of different children. I don't really see myself as a sort of tertiary specialist um, who sees children and um, gives advice and then they go back to their local teams. I very much want to be part of that local team. Um, so yeah, so really it was um it was just thinking about where I want to end up and the type of um job that I want at the end of it. Ah, uh,
0: it's so great hearing you three talking about community paediatrics. Um, Lizzie, yes, what is the most rewarding part of your job?
3: Yeah, so I, this is a it's such a tricky question, isn't it? But um, I think if I had to sort of put it in a nutshell, it would be. Um, being the child's advocate. Now, I'm sure, you know, obviously, we do that in whatever element of paediatrics we're in. But I feel that we do it to our best ability. And um, sort of, it's demanded most of us in community paediatrics. And I think that's across the sort of for parts really of community paediatrics so thinking about your children um within neuro or neurodevelopment or safeguarding or public health it's always about being that child advocate and that's rewarding because for example um if we think about neurodevelopmental patients like your child with adhd when you um, get the diagnosis right and you medicate them if necessary, and you see that child come back into your clinic room, having previously had absolutely no self-esteem, being labelled as the naughty child, thinking that they're no good at all, to coming into your um, clinic room and telling you that they one star of the week that that week and look at what I've look at this piece of work that I've done Dr Nixon and all this kind of stuff um it still makes me well up just thinking about it because it's just so wonderful seeing a child full of self-belief and self-esteem and and potential um that's been previously sort of unrecognized um so that that's an example in in neurodevelopment and then in safeguarding which I know a lot of people um, fear that word and and fear having to do child protection medicals, but actually being that child's advocate and getting that story and that report um, as accurate as you can um, is an incredibly rewarding experience because ultimately the the outcome of that should be the best for the child. Um, And it's sort of... um, you know, getting through the weeds and all the complications of all the adults that are in their life and getting through to what actually is happening for that child and, and what needs to happen to enable them to thrive. So, yeah, I think that is probably the most rewarding part of my job.
0: Oh, you had me bearing up then. <laughs> <laughs> Emily and Shuan, I know you haven't quite started the job. Uh, did you want to, is there anything about um, sort of the warden part of the job that you wanted to add there?
2: I think Lizzie's probably summed up what I feel about community. I mean, I've um, just finished doing a year's worth of um, community paediatrics um, in Neathport, Talbot and Swansea. And um, I think that um, message of advocacy for the child was, was something that... Um, yeah, so I, I really, really enjoyed and um, got a sense of pride from. So, um, you know, and even when I'm working on the ward, um, being able to listen to the child, listen to the families and be able to have the time to um, involve them in decision making things. And it is part of all paediatric jobs. But I think, as Lizzie said, it just it feels even more important, even more of a role in
1: community child health i completely agree i think um it's a privilege really to get to know children and families and community and to see them grow and develop and, and thrive and um go through the difficult times with them and support them through that but then also be able to celebrate good times with them as well i think the way lizzie described that was really lovely should we talk a little bit
0: a bit more about community grid training so what does it actually involve sure do you
1: want to start um, yeah, so so my understanding of it, obviously I haven't started yet, is that um, you do uh, two years in community child health settings and then that your third year is a bit more flexible um, and then you can choose to sort of pursue an area of special interest. Um, so this is one of the reasons that I was saying when I was deciding between neurodisability and community, this is one of the things I really liked about community because neurodisability it was a bit more rigid what you had to do in your three years, whereas in community it gives the opportunity to Maybe if you're interested, do six months of palliative care or six months of neurology or six months of CAMS um, and to sort of really direct that last year of training towards your subspecialty interests, which um, I'm quite looking forward to. Um, In terms of what you do, um, I I guess Lizzie would probably be the best person to um, talk us through all the different um, areas of training, but I think it's really very variable um, from what I um, am expecting and from what I've done in my previous jobs uh, from you know, as Lizzie was saying, um, neurodevelopmental assessments, seeing children um, with suspected autistic spectrum disorders, ADHD, seeing children with neurodisability, children who are um, in care, so looked after children, doing safeguarding, um, public health, uh, educational paediatrics, there's so many different elements, so um, it's nice and varied uh, and you can really find your own little niche uh, amongst that really.
3: From my experience of grid training very much like what you said sure and it's um i really enjoyed the flexibility of it i think the strict guidance is that you're supposed to do two years in community um sort of generic and then you have that extra year where you can um do something else allied specialties but you don't just something to bear in mind as well you don't have to it's it's not completely time limited so you don't have to do the three full years so many people will finish you know 6 months early um as long as everything is going well and obviously you're having satisfactory ARCP outcomes so so if i say what i did so i did 2 years um
1: did i did 2 years? i
3: think i did just under 2 years in generic community um, because I finished six months early and my so my year then of um, other specialties I wasn't particularly um, drawn to um, palliative or neurology um, so I um, organized to do genetics um, and some public health as well um, which were brilliant and re- I'd really recommend them to anybody who's doing um, grid training because very easy to organize so particularly if you're based in Cardiff, obviously there's an excellent genetics department in Cardiff um, who have um, paediatric specialists within genetics and they are um, very welcoming and that was a very, very useful um, and rewarding time to spend with them, um, particularly to know how they, how they manage the array CGH results and how they manage a child whose query syndromal, you know, um so fascinating to see how how their um formulation works. And then I really enjoyed my public health time, which I did with Dr. AD Norton. Um I would have loved to do more um, and I hope to do more in my future career. But um I would def- I think that's uh, pretty much a mandatory part of community training, certainly in Wales now, because it's so beneficial um and it gives you such a huge insight into how, um, in particular in Wales, we work as a country and we work so closely in healthcare with the Welsh Assembly, um, and actually the influence that we can have as paediatricians, which is so important. And then I did CAMS as well. So, CAMS is one of the um, already recognised um, specialties, and I would say, you know, an absolute must because there is so much overlap um, uh, with the work that CAMS do. Um, nowadays in community paediatrics, so in particular the neurodevelopmental conditions, but also the overlap with depression, anxiety. You know, I get asked about those kinds of symptoms every clinic basically because there's so much overlap with the patients that I see. That's what grid training involves, um, and then so so I can only really talk about um, the Wales training. Um, but I th- I suspect it's very much reflected across the UK in that um, depending where you are you get a different experience of community pediatrics. So um, for example, in South Wales, if you work in Cardiff, you will get a load of exposure to patients with ADHD because essentially community pediatrics see most of the patients who have ADHD. Even up through their teens um, in Cardiff, whereas if you worked in um, a different place in South Wales, you wouldn't get so much ADHD exposure because that that caseload tends to be with the neurodevelopmental team who sit in CAMS. So, um, so that's important if you're if, if you're thinking about applying to different areas, to think about what areas you might want to apply to because their caseload will. Be heavy in different areas, and you want to obviously go somewhere that has a caseload heavy and what you think you're going to enjoy.
2: Listening to Lizzie talk, she's um kind of uh made me want to do a bit of uh, community make my community pediatrics go on for much longer because you've just mentioned like all the different subspecialties that you could possibly do, and I'm like, yeah, that sounds quite good. Quite quite enjoy that. That would be quite good to have behind me. <laughs> so um, thanks for making it even <laughs> so it's two
0: and a half years to three years and can you extend it as well if you wanted to
3: yeah uh, so well so out of program so strictly when you're on grid you can't go out of program unless you've got um permission from the head of school and normally if it's something very beneficial i think they they will give you permission um but yeah strictly speaking you're not supposed to
0: um, so is there any specific requirements that you have to have by the end of your grid training?
3: I presume you mean from a sort of syllabus point of view? Yeah, mind, you? I think so,
0: yeah.
3: Yeah. So uh, obviously, um, with the new progress um, curriculum, you've got the generic um, outcomes that you have across whatever specialty you're doing. But then for level three community child health trainees, there's uh, five... Um, quite um, quite general really extra um, outcomes that you have to have achieved. Um, so they are um, demonstrates proficiency in the pediatric assessment and management of vulnerable children, including those with developmental disorders and disabilities. Um, the second one is adopts a leading role with children who are at risk of abuse or are being abused and for those who are looked after and can contribute to the process of adoption. The third one is demonstrate strong skills in working with multiple agencies, particularly with education and social care. The fourth one is actively participates in planning and implementing local strategies to improve the health of all children in their area, including safeguarding policy and overseeing universal and targeted lifestyle programmes. And the fifth one is contributes with other professionals to the management of children with life-limiting complex disability.
0: Yeah it's quite broad isn't it?
3: Yeah yeah they're very broad I think that's probably why there's only five because you know they've uh, they've <laughs> swept up a lot in <laughs> each of those eighties, really. Yeah
0: Um. so um, how can um, trainees sort of gain experience or show interest in community paediatrics?
2: I've uh... Whenever I've had my um, first meeting with an educational supervisor at the start of each job, they always sort of ask, what kind of things are you interested in, don't they? Um, It's always worth, you know, if you think you might be interested in community, it's worth um, saying it. And um, even if it's not that consultant's special interest, um, they tend to know what kind of things would be good or point you in the right right direction for the right people. So. Um it's it's worth um talking to um different consultants um that you respect and um that you sort of like their career path or something and finding out what they've done um along the way and um see if they've got any particular suggestions so any sort of projects or um teaching. Um I got involved with doing a communication skills session for um safeguarding children um with one of um, the consultants Emily Payne. Um, and so, getting involved with that obviously has added to my CV and has been um, something I've been able to talk about at um, interview and things. Spe- speaking to the right people and um, getting, because uh, obviously you can do community jobs um, as an SHO um, and as part of your level two training. for the, So, making sure you time those to give you the opportunity to experience them in, in time for applications um, is, is really helpful. And um, so, I, I did a community SHO job um, I think I was ST2, I might have been ST3, I can't remember, no, I was ST2, so getting that done early and, um, you know, realising, yes, this is what I enjoy, um, you know, meant that, um, I had that early experience and exposure to, um, know what kind of projects and things I should be doing when I'm doing other jobs, um,
0: I think if you know that you want to do community early, then um, any job that you can do can have a bit of a community sort of slant or the project that you can do. So, for example, in neonates, um, obviously, as a pediatrician, you're looking after those um, after they've been discharged from the special care baby unit. So um, I think you could probably get sort of community experience from other jobs that aren't actually community, couldn't you?
2: Yeah, absolutely. When I did um, neonates, I was um, telling my consultants I wanted to apply for community grid. So we um, looked at the areas um, that I needed to work on to build my CV and sort of management projects, leadership type things. Um, you know, I tried to think about what I could get done whilst I was doing neonates, um, trying to go to clinics where they were doing developmental assessments for their um, NICU grad- graduates, and um, that sort of thing. So um yeah, that's absolutely right. I also managed to do um, palliative care for um, four months prior to one of my maternity leaves. And um, although that's not community, it obviously ties in really nicely. And I think, um, you know, all, all sorts of jobs that you can do along the way is some of the specialty choices. Um, you've got so many transferable skills that um, are useful um, in, a, in a career in community child health.
3: Yeah, and I think it's really important to remember that you uh, don't don't feel disheartened if you haven't done your core community before you apply, because I I hadn't so and I was worried about it because I'd only done my S, that St1 job in community, which you know as an St1 obviously you're just starting out as a Pts trainee, um but actually um I remember in my grid interview um about. 20 minutes in saying that I hadn't done my core and the people who were interviewing me were really surprised because they could, they could see how much experience I'd gained in community. And they asked me, you know, well, how have you gained all this experience? And I I'd just done it. Like, as you said, you know, making, putting a community slant on all the different projects that you do through um, neonates, through general PEDS, through PEDS oncology, whatever it is, Um, and, and then it's, as you said, Emily, sort of talking to the right people at the right time, um, wherever you work, there will be, um, a group of, um, community pediatricians who are very enthusiastic and involved at a high level and it's, um, getting to chat to them and they will put you in contact with the right people. So, um, for example, in Cardiff, um, we've been very lucky to have a lot of, um, a community pediatric contact within the sort of research um, part of Cardiff University Um, and so that was uh, sort of a nice easy way really to slide into to research and bulking out um, that that box on your grid application Um, and then you know, you've, it's just about uh, getting, it's networking, really, which is essentially all of medicine, isn't it? Um, so g- going to the Batch Trainees Conference, for example, you don't have to be a community trainee to go there. You can go as a medical student or at any level of medical training and then getting chatting to people at that conference or going to the um, Imperial College um, Community Pediatric Study Day that they do twice a year that is excellent and just getting chatting to people at coffee time and lunch time and and that way um you know hearing about different things that you can get involved in um, and obviously you know gleaning it to the to the gaps that are on your on your CV
1: and um, one thing I would uh, hugely recommend uh, which is something that I did not know about before I think it's quite a new thing that's developed recently so I didn't know about it before I was doing my grid training but I found it very very helpful now is that um, there's a couple of uh, neurodisability and community trainees there's a um, committee of them being led by two senior trainees Hannah and Rebecca who have set up uh, the neurodisability community which is a um, a sort of group that's formed and trying to bring trainees together that are interested in either community child health or neurodisability, um, and it's excellent and you can join their um, Trello board which has got loads of resources on it it's signposts to lots of e-learning and journal articles um, and they've also they do lunchtime webinar teaching now since COVID uh, which is really useful they do community-based teaching on Mondays and neurodisability based teaching on Wednesdays and they're also setting up um, sort of a research network so there'd be research opportunities through them uh, and if they have local reps they could put you in touch with as well and um, so um, to get in touch with them if you email the neurodisability community at gmail.com it's all small lowercase um, and just tell them that you're interested uh, in joining uh, the community they would uh, they would be very happy to have any interested trainees from the very early on in training uh, they're eager to get people in as early as possible uh, and that is very helpful um, and they're also planning, uh, I know they're planning a webinar on uh, applying to community and neurodisability grids in August as well, which would be another thing that would be very helpful to anyone thinking of applying to grids. Um, and, and yeah, and then I guess the way I found out about them was from attending, as Lizzie was saying, trainee meetings. I found that very useful as somebody who was uh, planning on applying to three different grids at one point. Uh, I I went to the trainee meetings for all the different um I went to the batch training meetings and the BACD and the BPNA training meetings and it's very useful. To, then you can meet trainees in those areas and chat to them and, and then you get a feel for whether that specialty is right for you as well and make links. And then when you're applying, you can um, get in touch with them and people are generally very, very helpful and, and willing to give you advice. Um, and you can also j- join um the batch to so the British Association of Community Child Health, and then you get their newsletters and things through, and it just makes sure that you're in the loop with things that are going on and new things in community. Um, uh, so that I found that very helpful as well. I joined them just before the, the interviews um, so that I could have a read through their newsletters and things as well.
0: I didn't know about some of that. Thank you, Shuan That's really helpful. Um, so um, shall we move on to um, actually applying now? Emily, what would your what would your general advice be to trainees who are applying to community?
2: So if you've made the decision in a good amount of time, um, then going on the RCPCH website and having a little look at um, what the grid application form looks like. Technically they can change the questions every year, but um, when I've spoken to people previously, the, the questions are essentially the same year on year. So you can, you know, print that out and have a little look at um what different areas you you will need to um, draw from your c v um to try and sell yourself um yeah that's that's something I did um first of all, probably about eighteen months before I applied um I started having a little look at it and realizing where the sort of bigger gaps were in in my application and then trying to get some more um specific things to be able to talk about um, so that would be my my main um tip really um about yeah looking at the application form early and then um speaking to people we've we've said it already about um you know gaining experience and showing interest but um you know speaking to people who've gone through the um grid process and i know all of us would be happy to speak to anyone who was interested to um in applying to community child health um yeah so speak, speak to someone directly and um, get them to have a little chat through Um, maybe your rough ideas for your um, application form and things and, you know, in plenty of time.
1: Brilliant. Thank you, Emily. What about you, Shuan? Yeah, so I definitely agree with Emily. There's lots of resources out there on the RCPCH website and they've got the applicant guide there, which is really useful and it has all the uh, shortlisting markings on there so you can identify which, uh, you know, which areas you maybe wouldn't score as well in and where you can work on your application, which is very useful. Um, For example, doing GIC uh, or generic instructors course or a teaching course gets you an extra point. So that was something that I uh, did, um, which was very useful. Um, And then reading through the subspecialty curriculums as well is something I did and then tried to identify any areas where I didn't have much experience and then uh, arrange some tasters in those areas as well. So that when I went to interview, I had a more of a well-rounded understanding of the specialty and been to, to different specialty clinics so I went to sort of um, learning disability CAMS clinics and I arranged um, I actually um, you can also look at uh, the programs are all um, published on the RCPCH website so you can find out who the supervisors are for the different programs and you can email them if you're interested and ask if you can do a taster and go to some clinics with them as well and um, to find out um, what the program's likely to be like. Um, I guess the main thing is to leave enough time to fill that form out. So even though it looks fairly short, I'm sure Emily and Lizzie would agree. Uh, I don't know if the forms changed since we filled it in Lizzie, but it does take a lot of time to fill that out. Um, so making sure that you start early so that then you have time to get other people to read through it and proofread it rather than leaving it all to the last minute. It takes a lot more time than you think. Uh, anything else? think okay, yeah. Uh, in terms of um, other things you can do to sort of maximize your score, um, I think the reassuring thing I realized um, when I was filling in my application is that you don't need a hundred different quality improvement projects of audits you only need you know one or two very good quality ones so rather than focusing on on doing lots and lots of different projects and getting involved in lots of things it's better off just to focus on getting one project finished properly going through the whole audit cycle and and, and, and that that' caused you more points than it would to, to have done sort of partially or started lots of different projects but not finished anything.
2: I think that's really important, Shuanne, actually, isn't it? Um thinking about um how you can maximize um fr- from something, from one project, what can you get out of it? Um and when you know when you're agreeing to do a project or when you're choosing a project, um, pick things that are gonna help you. Um so I think early on in my training I just kind of Plodded along and, and did various little things but you know further through my training I've said no to things that I thought would be um, using up a lot of my time but not actually boosting the area of my CV that I wanted to oh. focus on at that particular time um, and sort of being realistic about um, what I could achieve in, in, in the time that I had.
3: Yeah I completely agree with that. I think it's um about making the most of everything you do. Um you know whether it's an audit, whether it's um a project, um whether it's getting involved in a in a committee. Um there's no point you don't really get many points for just having been on a committee or you know just having uh, sat on the stc for example what you get points for is showing that you have identified a need um, worked out how to address that and then addressed it so very much in the same way of um, as completing the audit cycle um, so it's about taking a very active uh, proactive part in whatever it is you do um, and milking it for all you can get really and um, so don't let those, don't let those projects just um, sit on the side. Because um, I know I say this whenever I get asked, but um, it's amazing what gets accepted. And I think we we always, you know, we're, we're quite um, sort of naturally humble people in medicine, and we always think, oh, our project's not not adequate enough. It, you know, there's no point in trying to submit something, but actually, there absolutely is. You know, try and submit everything and, and get a publication or a presentation out of it um and one of the things i found um when i was going through the grid application which as you said um it hasn't uh, it's it's the same every year essentially the questions um i found that there were some boxes um for example about um talk about a project where um pe- you know patient centered care that sort of thing um, and then i was thinking oh gosh i can't think of what i've done for that and then when i actually looked back through my Um, e-portfolio I found several projects that had been very much about that Um, but because we're you know obviously constantly moving on through placements and um, having to do audits and projects every six months um, it's easy to forget what you did at the beginning of your training and and that those projects are no less valid because they were a few years old um, especially if you've you know done them well and made the most out of them so it's about really looking back through your Um, portfolio and your career and remembering the projects you did and 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 how you can um, sway them to fit into the different boxes and the other thing I would say is is as Emily said it is so much about selling yourself and we are just generally quite rubbish at doing that Um, we think that people know what we do but of course the people who are Marking these applications and who are interviewing us, usually, we don't know them. And um, so unless you say it or write it, um they don't know that you've done it. so um so you have to say it, and i you know I found that very uncomfortable initially in writing my application because um it doesn't come naturally to us, but it you know if, if you don't say it,
2: It's quite a different um, mindset change, Lizzie, isn't it? You have to really um, change the way you think about yourself and the the things you're doing. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, the the way you write it has has to sell yourself um, to somebody who's never met you before.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: I actually found going through, initially I was... um, you know, panicked. I haven't got enough time. I can't get any points on this application form at all. Like what on earth am I gonna do? But as Lizzie said, once I went through my portfolio and like picked out key things, um, you know, wrote down all the different things that I'd done, it's actually quite satisfying to see what you mm-hmm. have done. Um I chatted to a couple of colleagues and they were, you know, and I said, Well I haven't got anything for management nothing at all and they were like well don't be silly I'm sure you do and then when they gave examples of things that they had I was like oh yeah I did that oh yes I've done that too yes I've got that it's like oh okay I could put that on there that's great so um it's quite quite rewarding then to look back at your career and see what you have achieved <laughs> yeah yeah it's a good,
3: good point. <laughs> <laughs> Another really good tip that somebody gave me when I was applying uh, that I didn't know, but pro- possibly everybody else knows. I was the only one who didn't. But when you present at a conference, often there is a publication that goes alongside it. So um, a um, it might just be your abstract, but it will have been published in the associated journal, um, and you can um, you can reference that on the on the form. Thank you all so much for your fantastic
0: insight and advice you gave us there. We will be getting out the advice for uh, improving your interview technique uh, for community grid applications uh, soon. Thank you for listening to DragonBytes.